0: warning incoming spicy content. Warning incoming spicy content.
1: Oh no! Oh no, that— that spicy content's landing on neurodivergent polyamorous sector. We should— we gotta get there! We got to get there, quick! Go, go, go! Go, go!
0: Warning incoming spicy content. Warning incoming spicy content. Warning incoming spicy content. Warning incoming spicy content.
1: Hey all, this is Becca and Adam coming at you, and we just wanted to let you know that this episode is not safe for work.
0: It is not safe for if you are under 18 years old. Yeah. If you are at work or under 18, we love you so very much, but please scroll past this episode. Either listen to one of our
1: old ones or wait for the next one coming out. Also, if it's just not your type of content, that's cool too. Join us next time. But without further ado... This is brand new news, Nero Spicy's Like It Hot. So the cake episode.
0: I mean, I think we've been promising this episode since we very
1: first started. So
0: Yeah, we we are.
1: We've kind of been a tease, haven't we? Which a little a bit, whole, which is a whole thing. It's, I mean, that's a king in itself. Some people like edging. Have we been teasing our audience, Becca? I mean, hopefully. Yeah. Maybe they like it. Who knows? Maybe they do. I mean, they've stuck around for this long. <laughs> oh, God. I have no idea why I'm an awkward dork.
0: Yeah, me too. But I guess there's just something charming about our dorky, nerdy
1: neuro spicy ways i mean can't complain i guess all right that's fair so okay uh this being the kink episode where we're going to talk all about the intersection between neurodiversity and kink because folks this one literally is a complete circle not a venn diagram
0: that is true i i know in my experience i have not met a neuro spicy person that isn't
1: kinky i mean as a sheltered 18 year old catholic school boy i might have said i wasn't kinky when i didn't know what kink really
0: was oh back when you thought like somebody using a pair of handcuffs was
1: super spicy yeah and back when i thought i could get someone pregnant by making out with them hard that's a, yeah that's a whole thing <laughs> oh The the religious school systems really did us no favors, did they? Don't do it ever. Under any (laughs) circumstances, ever. If you get pregnant, you will die. It is your fault. Mean Girls reference. (laughs) Very nice. Very nice.
0: Thank you. you.
1: Yeah, the religious school system didn't do either of us any good when it came to this stuff. But, you know, in its own way, kink helped liberate at least me from a lot of it.
0: Uh, Yeah, no, I can definitely see that. I know for myself it did as well. In fact, my religious trauma might be a reason for some of my personal kinks.
1: Oh, let us not even think about that.
0: Let us not. So, (laughs) before we get into all of it, I just want to quickly talk about just how much kink affects people with neurodivergencies. Yes, yes. Because I know that we're going to end up, you know, it'll be a jumping off point. We're going to tell anecdotes, but let's talk a little bit about, I don't know, you know? Okay. So Mm, I have definitely definitely sat around with a lot of my girlfriends at some point and we've talked about just, you know, when you're first getting started in like your sexual journey, you don't really know a lot about kink and everybody's always like, oh man, sex is amazing. Blah, 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 blah. And then you do it and you're going... Maybe I'm broken because this is not as much fun as everybody said it was. I I can remember one experience just kind of laying there going, after this, I think I have to go to the grocery store. Should I paint the ceiling? Did I let the dog back in? Like, it was bad.
1: And, like, it's not that the sex was bad. It was just so repetitive. Well, I mean, and I'm going to be honest. I am in the camp of finding vanilla sex extremely boring because... I just find, now again, I'm not trying to poo-poo myself on podcast radio for any potential partners out there. I promise I am not. (laughs) But I just find the rote mechanical action of heterosexual sex kind of boring. Absolutely. There, There is far more to do and have fun with than just that. And I think that's what, to me, attracts me to kink is, it's as much of a mind game as it is a body game.
0: Yeah. You're engaging my mind as well as my body parts. And that's really important to me Mm -hmm. because I have to tell you, it's the same thing as the reason I can't work a job where I go in and I do the exact same thing every single day, just makes my mind want to explode. Mm -hmm. The same thing happens in a sexual experience. If I have been with a partner a few times and literally can go, okay, they're going to, you know, come up, kiss my neck. And then we're going to lay down on the bed. There might be a tiny bit of foreplay involved. And then it's like in and out, in and out, and we're done. I can do the dishes. Okay, I'm going to go make pancakes. I'm on the floor. I can record a podcast. Like I have, I have... uh, other shit to do yeah and i just it's the i don't know if that makes me kind of like a shitty
1: partner no i don't think it does i don't because i mean wasn't it you me and blue eyes who had the conversation about how when it comes to sex you can't just have it like neurodivergent people have a hard time with it because of the fact that our brain needs to be stimulated as much as our bodies do and it's very easy absolutely
0: That was a conversation that we had, and I was actually one of the people who brought up the, um, for men specifically with um, neurodivergencies, it's a little easier for women to kind of sneak through it. But for a a guy, even if he is like really attracted to you and wants to be with you, if you, you can't keep his mind in the game, you will physically notice that you can't keep his mind in the game. And And that is very well known, uh, especially with um, penis owners who have ADHD. Oh, yeah. It's not a bad thing. It's just one of those things where it's not even that you're not doing the right thing or that it doesn't feel good. It's just that they can't stay in that moment.
1: Well, I'm going to let you in on a secret here. No matter how, I mean, with with exceptions, of course, because I mean, hyper fixation, hyper focus are definitely exceptions. But for 99% of things in my life that are getting my ordinary focus, My brain is never 100% in the game on anything. It can't be. That's just not how my brain works with ADHD. Exactly. Unless my brain is very in the mode. Like last night I spent three hours building a Lego model and my brain was completely hyper focused in on building the Lego model and the time passed like that because my brain was just that hyper fixated. But that doesn't happen for everything in life. Well, and I mean, I know for
0: myself too, like I also have the ADHD and a sprinkle of the TISM. And so the TISM likes order, but when it comes to certain things, the ADHD takes over. Mm-hmm. And so for th- certain things, and I have found that is how kink saved my sexual experiences. Mm-hmm. Because there's something about, you know, doing what you're doing and then, somebody's like slapping your ass or pulling your hair. There's, you know, whips, chains, whatever involved, however, whatever it is that your kink is and your kink is, you know, truly valid and it's yours. Yep. But you know, there's something that, that keeps me in that moment. If I never know what's going to happen.
1: Yes. I'm actually going to come out and say, I think kink gives neurodivergent people something to hyper focus on and hyper fixate on during
0: Absolutely. Because, because it's engaging your mind.
1: Well, and really, at the end of the day, that's what a hyperfixation is. It's something that engages your mind and like you zero in on it because you're so thoroughly enjoying it. It's basically mind sex. So if you can have sex with my mind at the same time as you're having sex with my body, that is the key right there.
0: That is absolutely the key because I need to now being someone who is demisexual as well. I absolutely already need a connection before I will even consider doing sexual things with you. Yeah. So you already have a connection with me, but I need you to keep me stimulated. And it's not just a physical stimulation that I need. Yeah. The physical part feels
1: amazing. Yep. But if that's all there is, no. But if that's
0: all there is, maybe I can do that to myself.
1: <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. Like,
0: I don't mean to sound rude or callous, but I can do that to myself. No, not I... at all.
1: I mean, that's what the universe gave us five fingers and a uh, fun bit of our body for, right? Well, then, you know, I'm a girl, so vibrators. True. True. <laughs> Those can be um, fun for guys, too, though. Those can be they great can, fun. But I can't attest to that. No, but I can. There you <laughs> go. Um, well, no, and, and so I mean like so that's kind of the thing. Like I think that's per- personally, without divulging my own kinks and stuff, that's what brings me to it is it's engaging for my mind and body. It's kind of like tell me a story, put me in a scene, let's have a little creative fun. and I mean, I'm a creative person. so that just like completely engages me.
0: Yeah, and I think that's it for me too is I am a very creative person.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And if I don't have something, that allows me to express my creativity. I'm bored. Yep. I'm sorry. It's just, it's the ADHD. I, I can't, I cannot do the same thing over and over and
1: over and over and over. Mind you, let's bring in the sprinkle of the tism here because, the, because personally, another thing I like about kink is there are different kinds of autism profiles from people who are autistic. There's sensory avoiding and sensory seeking and all those other kind of things, right? I am a sensory seeker. I always have been. Me too. Um, I am drawn to kink because it's a intense sensory seeking experience too. Yeah. And yes. that is, you can't under undersell how powerful the a draw that is.
0: Well, and I think too, because kink is such a customizable experience. There is no one way to kink properly.
1: No. And anyone who tells you there is needs to have their head examined. Red flag. It is a red flag um uh, be- becca it's not a red flag it's a red banner at a red wedding where a t- where a stark child is about to be killed by the by the lannisters
0: fair enough fair yeah. enough <laughs> I, you know, i i do want to point out that like there are so many different varieties to being kinky mm-hmm. and and there are so many things where you might like one aspect from one dynamic and another aspect from another dynamic and then something else from over here and it is all perfectly valid as long as your partner or partners
1: are consenting.
0: Are consenting.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. Exactly. Um, you know, and, and sometimes what works with one partner won't necessarily work with a different partner. Yeah. But I mean, one of the great things that I love about kink too, and again, something that's super common in the neuro spicy world, it is all about communication.
1: Yes. I'll be honest, I think I'm drawn to kink for the same reason I am drawn to polyamory or ethical non-monogamy, whatever, is communication. Clear, honest, upfront, concise communication about everything we're going to do. Because my brain needs that. I need that to function. I need to know where I stand with something and I need to know where I stand with the dynamic.
0: Yes, absolutely. I mean, I know for myself, like, one of the things I love about kink is safe words. Yes, I love knowing, and I've also used like the green light, yellow light, red light system. Valid. Um, and, and I've also used tap out systems, which is the same as
1: having a safe word. It's just, maybe you don't have the ability to speak so much. If it's the tap your fingers really rapidly against the bed or whatever else. Some, yeah.
0: Or um, ours was from, is it zombie land? Double tap. <laughs>
1: Which should be a lesson to everyone out there. If we ever go through a zombie apocalypse, you always double tap.
0: Always double tap. Um, but I love feeling that there is a guideline to what we are doing. Yes. There, there's, a gui- there's a guideline. I love that structure. Yeah. At the same, like the structure of having no structure, if that makes sense.
1: Yes. Because I am drawn to consensual non-consent when it comes to yeah, gaming. Me too. But I like knowing that it's very much in the scene because there is a whole whack ton of consent going into this thing.
0: Yes, that is extremely important. And so the other one that is along those lines is Primal. Yes. And what I love about Primal because moving on um what i love about the uh primal kink is that there is so much trust and consent necessary
1: yeah you
0: can really now with a lot of kinky things you can really hurt someone always kink responsibly folks always kink responsibly (laughs) Um,
1: a lot of people actually have contracts and pre-negotiated agreements for exactly that reason
0: some people have to sign waivers you have like it it is crazy and it's amazing because there is so much um there is so much that you have to consider Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and part of it is knowing your partner i mean sometimes you don't know your partner maybe you go to a munch and you decide that you're going to play with someone there but it is having that communication before a scene starts You know, these are my safe words. These are my this, this is my that. You need to know from the get-go that you are safe. And I will say this, um, if you are a person that goes to munches, which are amazing, I highly recommend them. So do I. Um, If you are someone that goes to those, make sure you talk to other people about your potential playmates. Because if there has been a super negative experience, Someone will know and someone will give you a heads up. Yes. It is extremely important, and I cannot express this enough to kink responsibly.
1: Responsibly, folks. Responsibly.
0: And I am saying this, especially if you know you are someone who is new to the lifestyle or you're just learning. There is nothing wrong with doing your research. There is nothing wrong with asking questions of your kinkster friends. I highly recommend it. You can learn new tricks. Mm -hmm. You can learn about kinks you never knew existed. Mm -hmm. And some of them might change your whole life. Because maybe there's that little thing like, you know, you watched Beauty and the Beast a lot when you were a kid and, and that growl just did something to you. And you're going well, what exactly am I into? But it turns out it's just primal. You know what I mean? And it's, and you wouldn't have known if you hadn't, you know, talked to other people,
1: watched kink uh, kink talk. Yep. Well, and I want to touch on something with that because in, in well, some ways- I've done a lot of things with this. <laughs> oh, Yes. I mean like it's one of those things where I mean on the one hand I think kids and teenagers these days have to be more careful than ever on the internet because there's so much there and so much potentially dangerous and misleading content. On the other hand, kids and teenagers these days, and when I say kids and teenagers, I mean I mean don't this is don't do it if you're under 18. No, no. But I'm saying like in some ways they have it a lot better than we had it growing up. Oh, I'm because sad. I mean like okay, I will get a little bit into my own journey with this i'm not gonna get into details because no (laughs) but but i'll get a little bit into my own journey with this like i went to catholic school i was a virgin up until the age of 18 and i realized that virginity is socially constructed but when you grow up catholic Mm. whether it's constructed or not it it means something to you because it's conditioned into you and so this was my existence I mean, I was very much the oh, don't have sex before marriage, kid, you know, and I remember in grade 12, a person we were hanging out, my friend's group and I were hanging out with, brought handcuffs to school and su- and kind of subtly suggested like, hey, I want to wear them with you and um, to me. And I, I mean, here I am like, <laughs> because like, huh? it, it like, practically made my good Catholic boy brain explode
0: right and now you look back on that and
1: you're like oh, <laughs> right? oh my God. no right and like and then the next year i had sex for the first time and then i went into an exploration of kink and and all online because i didn't growing up in a catholic house and having gone to catholic school i didn't really have anyone i could talk to about this so i explored a lot of online communities and that kind of thing and yeah it was kind of dicey and yeah there were some shady uh some shady corners of the internet, but. I learned a lot about myself and I For finally, time. yeah. Was one of those shady portions of the internet Yahoo chat room?
0: Thankfully, no.
1: <laughs> Thankfully,
0: no. I avoided that that part. <laughs> I cut my teeth on kink in Yahoo chat
1: room. Oh, I, so <laughs> I know. Oh. No, my shady corner of the internet involved... 3D, 3d avatar chats and the, that kind of stuff i'm not oh. yeah, yeah but i mean i learned a lot and i grew a lot and i met cool people and finally i went to my first munch in 2012 if our if, if a friend and fan of the of the podcast midnight is listening to this you know exactly what, what happened when i met you that night <laughs> but uh it was just it was a growth experience And it was a slow burn of things I didn't think I would ever be comfortable doing, but I did. And I grew a lot for the experience and it was incredible. That's amazing. Thank you.
0: You know, I, it took me a long time to come to terms with being kinky. Same. Um, I'll be perfectly honest. I grew up in a fundamentalist household. Yep. I grew up in a a church where, you know, a little different than Catholicism, but still very strict in its own way. And it was very, and I was very, very, this is not gonna sound PC, but I was very, very autistic about the rules. So oh, was I. Oh yeah. They told me. They told me. Mm-hmm. They
1: told me you don't have sex before marriage. Mm-hmm. You don't do this. Mm-hmm. You don't, so you don't do it. Sometimes I wonder how much of the fact that I was a good Catholic boy was because I was raised in a, in a Catholic household. And sometimes, sometimes I wonder how much of it was because I was very autistic about the rules. I think it was I, a combination of the two.
0: I fully believe that I was the good little Christian girl because of my adherence to the rules. These were the rules. These are what my elders told me. And why would they lie to me? Right. So one of my starts to leaving the church was realizing that they all lied. Right. They all lied. Yep. They, you know, they, they would, they, there was adultery there.
1: People would get divorced and they would move in with their new partner. I think what drove me away the most was I liked the values of do unto others as you would want done unto yourself and love thy neighbor and stuff. And then I looked around and saw no one following the rules. Why was I the only one following the rules? Right. It it just it it my
0: my sense of injustice was it it began to damage my calm.
1: Oh, me too. I know it was like, why are we not doing this? That's the rule,
0: right? And so. A kind of everything that they said afterwards I, I was like well you guys lied about everything yeah but know, like as an adult looking back did they lie no they are humans and they made mistakes but as a child it was like okay well you lied to me so I'm gonna do whatever I want um and I did I left the church. I started, I became a pagan. Um, I came out as bisexual, now pansexual. But that term was not super heard of, you know, when I was that age, because I came out at 16. Yeah. Which was 17 years ago. <laughs> um, hurt me. You know? I know, right? It hurt me, one, because of how long it's been, and two, because I had to do math for a minute there. And um, <laughs> um, so for me... It, it, it all kind of came hand in hand with this exploration of who I was and everything that I was leaving behind and all of this stuff that they said, you know, was so bad because my church was very open with certain terms where they wouldn't be in Catholicism. So they would tell us about, I mean, they didn't use the word kink, but they would tell us about how the BDSM lifestyle
1: was satanic. Yeah, see, we never got past the whole just don't do anything ever
0: oh, see, we, like, it was just this open, I don't know how to even begin to explain it or quantify it. But I remember thinking or being told outright that anyone who did, you know, the devil's lettuce, God forbid, um, if you were into the BDSM lifestyle, you were you were a Satanist. Um, I would assume that kink was under there, but I didn't hear that term until I was older. You only ever heard of, like, BDSM. Yeah. And that is what it is, but BDSM is not the only kink. BDSM is an umbrella term that encompasses a lot
1: of kink. It absolutely is and does, but there's so much under that. But, I mean, okay, do you also kind of feel like there was an inordinate amount of shame going off of that around kink? And, like you kind of felt like I mean for me personally I felt an inordinate amount of shame just even having sex for the first time and then when I started to discover I was into all these things that like I shouldn't be into I felt like a terrible terrible human being
0: the first time I ever had sex I went home afterwards and cried yeah for like an hour because I was going to hell oh, honey. so you know following that when I realized that like I liked things that you shouldn't like. I know that our listeners cannot see my air quotations, but hear them in my voice. I shouldn't like, and I was, I'm a horrible, I just had this feeling of, I am a horrible person. I am a whore, Mm -hmm. (laughs) full stop. And it was this, like this terrible feeling. Yeah. Because I thought I was the only one who was doing it wrong.
1: Totally. I felt like I was a horrible human for being into the things that I wanted to explore and and wanted to be into. And, you know, a horrible human for wanting to just have a lot of sex because, I mean, yeah, after my first time, I wanted more. And I thought I was a terrible, terrible person for trying to chase that dopamine. But now I realize I was chasing, to quote Paul and Jess in their podcast, the dopamine dragon. I was totally chasing the dopamine dragon with it.
0: Yeah. And I didn't figure that out until years later. I have always been a person. um, One of the side effects of my neuro spiciness is the fact that I am um, hypersexual. Mm -hmm. And I never realized until later that it was because that is the biggest hit of dopamine that I can get the
1: fastest. Yes. So I am a hundred percent chasing that dragon. Well, and without getting too much into like details, because I really don't want to violate confidentiality of anyone here, um, my first time was uh, was kind of traumatic. Um, and for we've, we've this person and I have worked it out; we're the best of friends now. Things are fine. It was it was a traumatic experience, but not one that I blame either one of us for. It was just like young kids making mistakes and screwing up and that and all that kind of stuff. But I will admit after. The traumatic experience that it was, I went dopamine seeking and I'm, I felt ashamed of that for years. And like, I'm a horrible human for that, especially considering a lot of it involved kink and wanting to explore that too. And I felt a whole whack ton of shame, a whole whack ton of shame. Like I am a terrible human being. I'm not the person I I thought I was at all. I see that now that that was kind of ridiculous of me to think that and stuff but when you're in that mindset from having grown up in a very no no sex before marriage all of this is bad kind of way it takes a while to deprogram that stuff hell I'm still deprogramming myself with stuff
0: well and so I was polyamorous in high school even though there wasn't a term for it I was dating both a male and a female partner and we were in a throuple or a triad and you know, everybody just kind of joked around like, well, you know, Becca's a whore. And I can remember relaying this information, you know, to a friend later, you know, when I was in my, because we're from a small town, right? So just about everybody knew my history. And I had this friend, we were adults, we had moved to a different city. And, um, you know, we were talking about my past. And she continuously referred to it as my whore face. And I found that extremely demeaning. Yes. To the point where I no longer wanted to talk to her about any of my experiences sexually. And, you know, you're always told, like, oh, you can tell your friends anything. But can you know that, that I could not talk to her about this at all? Yeah. And for a long time, she was one of the only people that I had in my life. So, it was an extremely difficult situation and I still carry a lot of that judgment
1: yeah,
0: in, inside of me where I will do something or have an experience and the voice in my head when it comes to that stuff has become hers going, Ugh. you know, and I think that's one of the worst things that you can do to a neuro spicy person especially anyone who suffers with rejection sensitive dysphoria Uh um, is shame them for being themselves and feeling free to take off that mask and talk to you about it yes I would have loved and now I do have that I have that connection with you know you and my my boyfriend I have that connection with other friends as well where I can talk take the mask off and talk intimately about my sexuality my kinks my this my that and I don't feel that judgment yes and I think a lot of that I I I often wonder if my RSD doesn't come directly from growing up in a what I consider a cult um You know, because you get that, like, no, you're wrong. You're bad. You shouldn't have those thoughts. Jesus wouldn't like it. Don't do it. Well,
1: and I, and I think also playing off that, the fact that like neurodivergent people in general tend to face criticism an inordinate amount to begin with. Like we get told everything about what we're doing is wrong constantly. So when you add religion onto it, we're also told that you're wrong (laughs) constantly. Yeah, no, I, 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 I think that's where a chunk of my RSD comes from for sure. Definitely my desire to people, please.
0: Well, and just knowing, I think part of it too was, you know, I knew at a fairly young age that I was not straight. I knew at a fairly young age that I had a different taste in sexual preferences from what we're taught is, you know, lie back and think of England. It wasn't, <laughs> I didn't have that. I didn't find that attractive. I knew at a young age now. I didn't want to talk to people about that because of my past. Uh, Trigger warning right now, I was a molested child. And so I wondered how many of my issues, again, in quotations, um, came from that. And it turns out maybe they did have some play in it. But no, I like what I like because it's what I like. And that is okay. Yes. You are allowed to like what you like and do what you like providing that everyone can and does consent
1: yes that's the key right there
0: that is the biggest key if you want to swing from a chandelier wearing a batman mask and a foxtail butt plug with ice cubes strapped to your nipples that is totally valid becca as long as everyone can and does consent
1: how dare you out my Friday night plans? No, I'm just kidding.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. My Friday night plans. did you them? <laughs> You think I came up with that off the top of my head?
1: No, but I no. think you're stealing ideas from my playbook is what I think you're doing. <laughs> well, maybe you should tell me your Friday plans. They sounded really good.
0: But that's oh, just no. the same, guys is I don't believe in kink shaming. No. There are certain things that I will not do, but those are always pre-discussed with a partner. Mm -hmm. You can have, you know, soft nose and hard nose. You can have the like, I really don't think I'm into this thing, but it's something
1: that we can talk about and you can have your absolutely not. Well, and I think that's important for people to remember that like, and you know what, honestly, this applies to a lot of things in life. But I mean, I think... I think it's important to remember that there's what you yourself would not ever want to do. And that's valid, but, but then not shaming others who have different tastes.
0: Absolutely. And I think that's very important. Like I know that there are very certain things that I don't want to do. Yep. Now I have had experiences in the past where I'm like, that is a hard no. And then people are like, but is it though?
1: i've had that experience
0: because i am a people pleaser i will and have occasionally crossed my own
1: boundaries not to not to get into details on it but i once had a dom who i was playing with tell me to do a thing that i thought i had a squick about and did not ever want to do but i was so deep in the moment that i did it and I discovered that I actually really like it.
0: Oh, absolutely. Now I have had some, you know, what I thought was a nose become a yes pleases. Mm-hmm. And then I have had some nose that I did anyway. And then, you know, turned around and was like, nope. I'll never, nope. It's it's a nope. It's yeah. a hard no. Yeah. And but this is stuff that is important to, to talk with. You have to talk to your playmates. It is so very important. So
1: very important.
0: I I cannot express enough that you must kink responsibly, and you do have to remember that kink is customizable.
1: And you know, going back to the first lesson I ever learned about feminism and rape culture in university, and that is, unless it's an emphatic yes it's no absolutely
0: and you know consent is sexy and i have had a lot of people say to me you know because i do a lot of um i talk to a lot of people about kink and um lgbtqsia To um i talk about this stuff a lot i talk about neurodivergency loss a lot clearly we have a really? podcast <laughs> um and i and i always say you know because like, i have had one or two people say to me like well You know, how do you halfway through, like, they said yes, and then, like, you 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 ask them, and I'm like, there are tons of ways to ask that question in the moment that isn't just like, hey, you still good? You know, Um, depending on your role and dynamic and what you're into, someone can ask, you know, like, they can get you to beg for it. They can, all of these different things. There is always a way to integrate consent into your scene, into your play.
1: But I'm going to come out and say it, even if someone, even if my partner were like, yo, you're good, bro. Like, yeah, it's not that sexy that way. But you want to know what? At the same time, it's sexy just for the virtue of the fact that they asked.
0: Absolutely. There is that care and consideration. And that is, the for me, one of the biggest draws to kink. Yes, because In you that, are
1: always allowed to withdraw your consent. <laughs> not
0: only that, but there is a lot of care and consideration, Aftercare is extremely important. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Again, I don't want to go into too many specifics. But subdrop, if you've ever experienced it, is oh, a have. nasty, nasty feeling. Oh, I have. And, and I have had, you know, many experiences with it, which I think I just kind of outed myself a little bit here. Um, <laughs> mm. yeah. um, but... So I have had experiences where there is no aftercare. <laughs> you're just kind of left to your own devices and it's terrible. Mm-hmm. And then I've had experiences with subdrop where there is aftercare.
1: And it really because sometimes quite a bit. Yeah, because sometimes you're gonna hit after you're gonna hit subdrop no matter what. Oh yes, but, it, but I but... find that aftercare helps to mitigate how fast the drop is. Well, and this is what I was going to say. Like, sometimes everyone will experience sub drop. Or doms will experience dom drop. Coming down from the endorphin rush of a scene, whether you are dominant or submissive or any other combination in between happens. But how you choose to handle that makes all the difference. And that's where aftercare is huge. So for anyone who
0: doesn't know exactly what we're talking about um so what it is is that your brain is making your endorphins when you're having sex and at a certain point it just can't make any more your brain is high on endorphins yeah so afterwards like any high there is a crash yes and so um what aftercare does is it helps to bring you down slowly so as opposed to you know, just kind of jumping off a cliff, you're kind of rolling down an incline.
1: Yeah, because the way it works, and I mean, I've, I've read a little bit about Subdrop and stuff online, is like, I mean, vanilla sex will have the same kind of endorphin rush, um, but kinky sex and kinky kink experiences will have it to that much higher degree because with the combination of sensor, sensory experiences that kink involves, you're really creating a high level of a mix of endorphins and adrenaline and all that shit in your brain that your brain basically gets high on. And the more intense you play, if you have that kind of relationship with someone where you can do that uh, safely, the higher level of like highness that your brain will hit. So when you come down from that, like when you're there in that moment, it feels very floaty and very like, Ah yeah you will do anything you are commanded to do if you were an, if you were a sub it, it's a it's a thing but you will come down from that and if you come down rolling down that incline nicely it'll feel like a really nice easing out of the zone but if you come if you just drop, oh.
0: oh it's brutal I actually went into a extremely deep depression after a bad sub drop mm-hmm. and like, had a panic attack Like it was very very bad and that's something that can happen if you aren't properly negotiating with your partners exactly and if you don't have the knowledge and understanding we didn't even know that could happen
1: and i mean in fairness like everyone is young and learning at some point and mistakes are going to happen the important thing is you communicate honestly and openly with your partner even when a mistake does happen
0: yes absolutely again kink responsibly Yes. I believe that should, at this point, just be the title of the episode is Kink
1: Responsibly. And- there, there are two sayings in the kink community. One is safe, sane, responsible, like SSR. But alternatively, some people use rink, oh, rink, wow, I'm not Canadian at all. Um, risk aware consensual kink. Essentially, both of them emphasize consent and responsibility. Yes. Because again, most kinks,
0: I mean, even vanilla sex can cause in- injury, but I mean, you are very intimately touching another human in a lot of ways that can cause injury. And that well, that's why it's so important to be careful and aware of what you are doing. You know, I, again, I have talked to a lot of people. I've even talked to some of the younger people in my life who are well aware of the fact that auntie is weird. You know what I mean? They, they definitely, they're, they always go with, well, I mean, she's basically a goth. She's LGBTQ. She's all of these things. She's probably going to know about kink. And I understand that that's a heck of a stereotype, but it, a lot of LGBTQ people and a lot of neurodivergent people are kinky. And I think part of it is when I really stop and think about it as, as people who try to mask or hide who we are. Yeah. When you have the chance to just freely be yourself. Oh, hell yeah. You are going to freely be yourself. So when people see a free spirited person who is just living their life, they want to know what that is. So they ask questions. So a lot of the younger people in my life, I have a lot of nieces and nephews. I have my bonus child who probably weird to do this on a kink episode, but my child just turned 13. Um, So I'm going to wish them a happy birthday because I know occasionally mom listens to this, so it'll get passed along. So happy birthday, baby. Um, But they talk to me about this stuff. They talk to me about safe sex, about consensual kink, about all of these things. And I think it's amazing that young people can and will talk about this
1: stuff. Well, I looked at Emerald the other night. And as we were sitting there watching shows together, me, her and Blue Eyes, and I said to her, child, I am kind of jealous and super proud because I had to go through so much to figure out that I'm ethically non-monogamous like that, that that's how my brain works and you are just exploring this casually and comfortably because you are surrounded by people who are completely okay with it
0: mm. my uh nibbling came in the other day so lucy loose is my nibbling and they came in and casually talking to me about their partners cool just oh yeah that person that person and i was like well good on you chap right but it was It was so amazing because when I was their age, literally their age is when I had two partners and well, the first time around anyway. And I can remember being so hidden about it. Mm -hmm. Well, and even in my last relationship, that was a a polyamorous relationship. um, There was a lot of hiding going on. So like when I was at work, if anyone asked about my partner I kind of played this game where it was like amalgamating all of my partners into one person. I so that. you're kind of going, okay, what what did I tell them their job was? What, uh, did I remember to say if it, they were male or female? Like, what? where am I at? Like, I almost had to have like a little cheat sheet of what I told other people. And here's this child, not a child, but, you know, here's this kid who is just sitting there going, you know, my partner's, Blah, blah blah they're this they're this they're this and I'm going I am so proud of you right and on the same hand too and this is going to sound so self-absorbed but I'm also proud of me because I have become the person that I needed as a child
1: and a teenager I I like to think I have too and it is this really empowering really touching thing to realize isn't it that like you know that you know the struggles you uh, we talked about earlier about like being like at least in my case being the really sheltered conservative Catholic school schoolboy who didn't want to have sex before marriage and all that stuff but like needed to do a lot of growing up and learning and like struggled with it alone when I started and now because of that because of what we do what I've done you know all these things. These people in our lives who are growing up with us as role models don't have to do that.
0: Well, I mean, one of my favorite quotes is, be the change you want to see in the world.
1: Yes. I love and that.
0: honestly, I might never make a history book. People in a hundred years are not going to know who I was. I'm okay with that. But I think people like us, people like our listeners we are the change that we want to see in the world we will make this world a better place because we are helping the younger generation not have to struggle and go through the things that we had to go through that our parents had to go through yeah so i think by being open about kink and ethical non-monogamy and being neurodivergent and being queer Mm -hmm. i think being open and honest and accepting is going to change the world.
1: Well, and I mean, you know, you said you don't think anyone's going to remember you in a hundred years. Okay. As an individual, that might well be true, but you know that all waves are made up of bajillions of drops of water.
0: Absolutely. But (laughs) what I meant mostly is, you know, I'm never going to be the name in the history book that is, you know, Rebecca Kelterborn. No, but... But I am more than happy to be one snowflake in the avalanche.
1: Well, and I think, and I mean, honestly, maybe I'm just bringing my own historic, uh, historian education in here, because for anyone who didn't know, listening to this podcast, I have a master's in history, and I'm going to flex it right now a little bit. (laughs) There is a debate, there always has been a debate in in the historical community about the traditional great man view of history, where it's like, this happened in this time because so-and-so led this. This happened because so-and-so was important here, because so-and-so was important here versus a more nuanced understanding that anal- analyzes like um, competing interests of multiple demographics, like uh, women, people of color, LGBTQ people, all these things Like you know, like, and the forces of history that have kind of like shaped them and kind of, and, and, and have kind of like, they've shaped th- the world through their influence and, and, and how things work together in a more nuanced way. And I tend to fall more into that camp because I think people who make history books are important, but more important are the thousands upon billions of human beings on this planet who choose to be better every day.
0: Absolutely. And you know what? I agree with you on that 100%. And again, I, again apparently kink is just our jumping off point
1: because now we're talking about changing the world. Um, you ever, <laughs> have you ever known us not to do that?
0: no i think our listeners would be extremely disappointed they're like only one topic this week what is actually we did an episode like that where i looked up all of the information and i was like no we are going like line by line by line we got this you wonder know what
1: i was told i was told we were boring that episode
0: right so we've never done it again
1: nope and that was the rsd episode i believe i like that episode but
0: yes I like the idea behind that episode. So one day we'll have to redo it with just us. Blah, 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 blah. I'm good with that. But because you were saying that's what you all
1: like. <laughs> you were saying? I don't remember. Fair enough. Well, then to tie this back to kink, then. um <laughs> Tie it back to kink. <laughs> I see. I was gonna... you... <laughs> oh, wait. Wait. That was... oh, wait till you hear this one because you said uh, apparently that's what y'all like. And I was just saying, we live to serve. Oh, yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> no but like yeah i agree it there is something empowering about being the change in the world and the fact that we're openly talking about this i mean which i should say adam 15 years ago would have been mortified to think that in his 30s he'd be doing a podcast about kink can you imagine
0: talking to 20 year old adam and 20-year-old Becca, <laughs> and just being like, this is what we do. <laughs> 20-year-old Becca, for as open-minded as I thought I was at that time, I was still deconstructing my everything, and I was very, very angry. I spent my 20s very angry at a lot of things, and I think if, you know, 33-year-old me, went back to 20-year-old me and said, like, hey, you know, one day you and your platonic life partner, Adam, and she's gonna go, who the fuck's Adam? And, um, you know, we are gonna be running this podcast. We're gonna talk about being ethically non-monogamous. We're gonna talk about being neurodivergent. We're gonna talk about the fact that we're pansexual. We're gonna talk about the fact that we're pagan. We're gonna talk about all these things. 20-year-old me would have laughed hysterically and been like one you can't put your personal life on the internet like that and two you can't tell people that stuff
1: right you oh my can't, god you can't like, tell people like that like 20 year old me had only just had sex two years before and was still processing a lot of that shit um I was still processing what this meant for me as a as a human and whether it was okay to like things or not I was still figuring myself out on every level I was not I, I honestly where was I in tw- 20 years old uh, 20 years old it was like 2008 or so oh, Don't do I, that. I know I'm sorry I'm just trying to think like I wasn't even comfortable with acknowledging I was neurodivergent well and I wouldn't have at 20 years old I had no idea I was neurodivergent that was a thing just- that I only knew because I got my diagnosis as a kid, and it was a thing we just didn't talk about because, no, you don't want people to think of you differently. You're you're normal.
0: I just thought I was bad at being a person. That is, I, until you and I became very close, and I would say our friendship has been pretty close for, what, the last three, four years? Yeah. We've known each other, what, seven? Yeah. And we've been close for the last three or four. But that was my pathway to discovering so much about myself
1: no right back at you
0: you know you've you've we're gonna you know get a little bit personal here just for a second you have opened so many doors for me and helped me understand who I am on such an amazing level I I truly do not know
1: what I would do without you no Honestly, I feel the same way about you. And I've learned a lot about myself through you calling me out on shit as much as anything else. But like just you being there to talk about things that like I'm during a pandemic, I've found myself wondering and being like, hey, what about this? And you're like, no, that's cool. And I think I've done the same for you. And we've just had this amazing back and forth where we've just like both grown for it. Well, I can remember pretty vividly
0: the day that I messaged you And because, again, a lot of this was during the pandemic, the very beginning of the pandemic. And I messaged you and I was like, Adam, I think, I think very much that I have the ADHD. (laughs) And you were like, yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) And and then, you know, a few days after that, after reading more into it and, and looking into more, I went, I also think... And now I've said off and on for years that I think that I am autistic. There's just, there's uh, a whole lot of little points there that I'm like, "Mm -hmm." and I remember the first time I truly came to you and I was like, Adam, I have ADHD and I am positive that I am autistic. And you were just like, congratulations, you finally figured it out. Welcome to the,
1: welcome to the family.
0: Yeah. And, and yeah. it was just this, and I mean, there have been times too where you've come to me with different things and you're like, Hey, so I think, and I'm like, Oh yeah, no, I've known that for a very long <laughs> Yeah. And, and you're just like, how dare you? Why didn't you tell me? And I'm like, I did so many times I did. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, I hope in a lot of ways, like it's, it's amazing because you and I have this personal connection, but I hope in a lot of ways that our listeners get that with us too. where they're going hey I never thought about that hey I never saw it that way yeah maybe I'm not just bad at being
1: a person maybe my brain is wired differently well and you know I think one of the beautiful things about this podcast and the fact that we do touch on a variety of topics like kink non-monogamy you know nerdy interests, all these things is because quite honestly I have found that when your brain works differently in one way it pretty much works differently in every way. Yeah, it really does. Because that's what led me to non-monogamy was like, I, I'm i a really good, I'm well, not to do my own horn, but I'm, I'm, I'm really good at being a, a boyfriend. I am. You absolutely are. I'll, I'll give you that. Thank you. You're welcome. But at the same time, I always I give myself. you a five-star rating on Yelp. Woo, woo, woo. Five out of five would highly recommend. Woo. Mm-hmm. But like- I found myself being burned out by monogamous relationships. It's like, I'm, I'm good at this. Why is this burning me out? And it's because the style of like re- monogamy as a style of relationship just is not, does not work for my brain. I can do the hoops and do the masking and jump and jump through them and, and do it, but it burns me out. Well, and see, on the flip side for me,
0: I'm good at polyamory. I am good at ethical non-monogamy. However ethical non-monogamy has burnt me out
1: and that's totally fair too
0: and that is why i
1: am retired there's nothing wrong with knowing what your brain needs and doing it
0: absolutely and i think that's the beauty of the openness about ethical non-monogamy is that if 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 you are ethically non-monogamous and you say you know what everybody i think i'm just gonna go and be monogamous for a while or forever i haven't really decided yet nobody in that community goes clutch my pearls you know they just go okay cool yep whereas you know because i've gone back and forth from the monogamous community to the ethical non-monogamy community and the models are like
1: the models are like what do you mean you're not mono
0: (laughs) well none of them know that term for one (laughs) and two um they're very judgmental, mm-hmm. maybe not all of them. I don't want to you know, paint everybody with the same brush here, but any ones that I have experienced when I'm like, hi, I am ethically non-monogamous. And they're like, oh my God, you sleep with more than one person at a time, you whole.
1: I got like, the comment and- once of, yo, you're such a sweet person. Someone must really have hurt you once. I'm like, I mean, yes, but uh, also that's not why. <laughs> <laughs> my response to that would just be once. <laughs> I was going to say it was more than once, but but I don't blame them, and that's not why. So, well, and I think a
0: lot of that is what we're taught. Mm -hmm. We we are taught from a very young age, like basically from the day you come on out, is you will find your soulmate, one. You will find one soulmate, your one true love. You you're one. It's always one. Well
1: why right there is a i'm gonna i'm gonna have my daily star trek episode reference uh there is a episode of deep space nine um where there's a character so long story short for anyone who's watched the show or hasn't whatever there is a group of people who were kind of shafted by a treaty made between the federation and these other aliens for control of these planets they were left behind in the behind enemy lines and abandoned by the Federation they felt resentful so they kind of took the fight to to Starfleet and wanted to stand up for themselves and one of the characters uh his name is Michael Eddington who is written as just a delightful foil to the main character of the show has this line where he's called he said he looks at uh Sisko and he's like you know you're worse than the Borg at least the Borg tell you their intention to assimilate you no one leaves paradise how dare you you know when it comes to referring to Starfleet and the Federation and I kind of feel like, that's kind of how mononormative society is. It's like, well, how dare you walk away? No one leaves paradise. This is how everyone should want it. But it's not. You know what? I am more than happy to leave paradise. Oh, me too. It's more fun on this side anyway.
0: Absolutely. And I think with that, we should uh, yes. sign off. Because I believe you and I have to go find some Batman masks.
1: <laughs> I am justice.
0: <laughs> okay, I am okay. the knight okay everybody thank you so much for joining us on the long-awaited kink episode i will say it one more time for someone who might not have heard me in the back please kink responsibly
1: yes and we hope you got something out of it or many <laughs> fun things out of it you know i, I tried to make that innuendoey and sexy and i just i failed it,
0: it kind of worked it kind of worked I'll okay it good you.
1: okay cool. I'll it you. You'll allow okay it?
0: no i will allow it you know <laughs> Uh, I know we say it every episode, but I think it's important to repeat. No matter who you are, no matter what you do, you are loved, and you are valid, and you matter. Drink
1: your water, take
0: your meds if you have them.
1: And we'll see you on the flip side. We love you. Love you. Special thanks goes to Paul Unger, who helped design the rainbow infinity symbol with the two brains component of our logo, which we love very much. Thanks, Paul. The NeuroDivergent Polyamorist was produced by Rebecca Kelterborn and Adam Mardero. Copyright 2022.